And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by El Nino, the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic. And we are joining you in the middle of the NBA offseason. There's not much not, to report. Not entirely the NBA offseason. It's the NBA offseason for the Celtics, but there are oh, two yes. teams still playing. There are two teams still playing. Uh, the Nuggets and the Heat, they're engaged in finals matchup. The Nuggets are going to win in five games. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to look very foolish when the Heat win game four tomorrow. But we do have some Celtics news since we last recorded. The Celtics have gone out and hired Sam Cassell, Celtics champion Sam Cassell, inventor of the big balls dance himself. I don't know if he's the inventor, but certainly he made it popular to be the elite assistant coach. For the Boston Celtics, what are your thoughts, Jay King? Your reaction? Just a good hire. The Celtics needed someone with playing experience. Not just playing experience because their staff was full of guys who played at a high level, either overseas or wherever. But it always helps to have someone who can relate to things that the players are going through, who can put into context and perspective the the NBA season for for players for a team. Sam Cassell's been through a lot. He's won a championship as a player. He was an all star as a player. He became a role player as a player, and so he has a whole lot of experience to to draw back on, and and shape how he teaches the Celtics. So I I think that was an important hire. He's someone who's been around, seen a lot of great coaches. He's been an assistant in the NBA since 2009. So just, just felt like that was a really good hire. And obviously like probably not done with that, with just that hire, the Celtics are going to have to, sounds like they're going to have to replace guys who are departing for Ime Odoka staff in Houston. So Sam Cassell won't be the only hire, but it's a good start to filling out a staff that lost just a lot of talent. Uh, in the past calendar year with Ime Odoka, Will Hardy, and then Damon Stoudemire taking off for, for various reasons. So just a a necessary move and someone who I think will be able to help Joe Mazzula and and relate to the players and, and give just a, a different view on a lot of things that the Celtics will go through. I think if it's just from a coaching perspective, bringing in a guy with 15 years experience is like helpful for the staff for Missoula, who's only done this once. And 
Cassell's been on the with Doc for the past three years with the Sixers, has been in the playoffs, was with the Clippers, those teams in the playoffs. If you just look at his kind of coaching experience, a guy who's been doing it since 2009, I think is going to be valuable to his staff. He's also a three-time champion. I don't think he was the biggest contributor to the 2008 team, but he certainly was there. But he and knows what it takes to win at the highest level. Won championships with the Rockets in 94 and 95. But I just think that generally adding the guy with that much experience to the staff um, is, is going to be beneficial to the Celtics. That being said, I have no idea about his coaching style. I have no idea about his relationship with the players. I assume they're all good. I'm not in the... I'm not in the business of evaluating assistant coaches except for one, and he's the best assistant coach in the league, and that's Nick Friedman. But beyond that, I have a real it's, tough time evaluating the kind of contribution of an assistant coach. It's so hard to know. And obviously, I I do some asking around about who's who are the more talented, who are the more gifted assistants on the Celtics, yada, yada, yada. But it's so hard to really know how much each assistant contributes, what personality they have, in in moments that are just lighthearted moments off to the side with with me or somebody like me like it's just really hard to know sometimes who are the difference making assistant coaches for for idiots like us but sam cassell has been around a long time um tyrese maxi is someone he apparently worked closely with in philadelphia and obviously maxi's development is a huge was a huge win for the philadelphia organization how he quickly emerged from, I think he was a 21st pick, to, oh, he's something. He's a contributor to, oh, he's the third best player on the team. And and Cassell, he seems like a really hard worker, but Cassell was the guy who worked a lot with him and, and helped him out. So maybe he'll be able to do that with some of the Celtics guys too. Now, I mentioned this in his intro, but he is the, the strongest purveyor of the Big Balls Dance celebration. If if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown aren't doing the Big Balls well, Dance Well, here's my question. Year, if he could only pass on the ability to do that dance to one player, which player do you think benefits from it the most? I'm going to switch this question from player to person and i need joe Missoula on the sideline just <laughs> doing the big balls dance he's never you, gonna do a know, celebration in his life not in public you, no you know he wants to you know that is the most competitive man in new england if he does it after a timeout and just walks out onto the court <laughs> just a great timeout they have they have a 12-2 run after a timeout and he's just over on the sidelines just doing this the big balls dance that'd be that'd be awesome don't they find people for big balls dances now that's I a know. huge mistake big that's mistake. a huge mistake this isn't the nfl why why is that not legal why can't you just go around pretending like your testicles are massive infinite? yeah <laughs> it, i don't know it's a change in society it's adam silver's nba David Stern had a lot of rules, but he could you could do as much big ball dancing as you wanted to in David Stern's NBA. And now, now we can't do anything anymore. But I think, I don't know. There's no player I think that uh, is going to step up and do it right now. I kind of want Jason Tatum to do it. The, in in thinking about what went wrong with the Celtics, I kind of want Jason Tatum to come back a little meaner and have a little bit more edge. Sure, he did the nice air guitar uh, celebration. But the big balls dance it takes a level of of disrespect and, and um, towards your opponent that I just don't think Jason Tatum has at this point. And I want Jason Tatum to be a little bit meaner. And if adding the big balls dance to his repertoire does that, 
I think everyone's a winner. <laughs> what if they all, they all just start doing the big ball dance? <laughs> they have a like team Hor- fine. Horford, but... <laughs> Horford does a little timeout thing and, and then shifts right to the big balls dance afterward. That could be a, a double move, the likes of which the world has never seen. The timeout thing, though, kind of got ruined when Jimmy threw it back in his I, face. Like, it's tough I, to, for that to happen. I disagree. He threw it back in his face. That's that's competition. That's what happens. Sometimes you're going to do a too small, and the other guy's going to come back and do, hit you with a too small right again. I think uh, the longer in the longer term, and also Jimmy waited until like the game three of that series, right? When it was yeah. just kind of a blowout. Wasn't like he was doing it while he was down six, like he did to <laughs> Drew Holiday, telling him he owned Drew Holiday. So that just there's a difference there. There's a difference there. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right. Jay King put the bat signal out to you guys, the listener gods. And my Lord, did you respond with uh, over 63 questions right now, um, which Good is Lord. kind of insane. Uh, let's just go to the start. First one, because he's uh, he paid for Twitter. Jeff Goodman. Uh, why do you dress like you came out of the woods? Which is not this a was good- a- it's not a good. This assessment. is a weak question. It's yeah. a weak question because you don't dress like you just came out of the woods. You don't have any tactical gear on. Uh, you're not wearing hiking shoes. You're not Nothing dressed camo about me. No, you dress like you've been inside all day. I dress like I'm going to a basketball gym, which I am. That's that's it. Other yeah. people can dress up, put on their suits. I'm going to watch a basketball game. I'm going to watch a basketball practice. So I put on sweats. I put on sweatshirt. And that's not out of the woods. That's that's what I'm wearing on my couch at home. That's what I'm wearing to the gym on the rare occasions I go there. When's the last this, time you went to the woods? Are you a woods guy? You like camping? I don't see you as a camp no, guy. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> although one time when I was little, a uh, we went to a campsite with my family and a bear came. Yeah, that's rocks. <laughs> And uh, the bear was eating all our food, and to oh, to get the up, bear you away, tie up the food, man. You got you got all proper bear protocols. We had to pretend we were coyotes. We started howling, <laughs> and the whole the whole King family howling at a bear like a coyotes. We were howling, and I'll tell you what th- those bears scampered away. One of them climbed up a tree. It was it was pretty impressive stuff. Who's honestly, idea? to see a bear climb up a tree. Well, bears are great cl- cl- tree climbers. Jay, everyone knows that. Um, but was it your whose idea was it like, all right, all right, fam, coyote time? I think we we're just kind of out of options at that point. There were <laughs> the numerous option. bears just rummaging through our, our campsite. And uh, we were I mean, it was like a little tiny cabin. And then the bears were outside at like the, the fire pit. And there wasn't much time before the bears were going to reach us. And we didn't want that, so <laughs> we didn't want, no. But they are very afraid of the howling, which which I've learned. And now I know bears well, you, are afraid of me. I don't have to be afraid of bears. You should be afraid of bears, especially a grizzly or a, a polar bear. Um, but yeah, you can scare the common black bear uh, away just by getting big, making some noise. Um, I'm in New York for the summer and it's, uh, it smelled like kind of a campfire for the past few days with like the wildfires here. Very pleasant. Most people are very upset about uh, the smoke covering the city. I just think it uh, is nice when you go outside now. Nice campfire smell. 
That's a little strange of you. I think a campfire smells nice, but we'll move on. Apparently, you don't want to discuss do you that. Think, do you think the city needs Grant Williams to save it? Well, I don't I don't get that at all. You didn't see Mikhail Bridges' tweet? I he tweeted not. a picture of Grant Williams dressed as Batman and said the city needs Grant Williams to save it. And at first, when I saw the tweet, I was thinking, is he openly recruiting Grant Williams as a free agent? <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, no, he's looking at, he's experiencing very poor air quality and would like the the Gotham savior to What's to Batman going to do about air quality? Get a big fan? That's not Batman's jurisdiction. He like he likes petty criminals. Superman, the Flash, those guys can deal with air quality. Batman's not going to help you at all. Batman doesn't care about the people. Batman's for himself. Wow. <laughs> you got some hard feelings about Batman. I guess so. Right now we're moving on to Eddie Truth Faustino. Do we think Chris Paul is feasible after the report that he will get waived or will be traded? What do you, and we have a lot of questions about that. So for all the other people who asked Chris Paul questions, this is you're you're being counted in this, but I'm giving credit to Eddie. Che, your thoughts on Chris Paul to the Celtics. I understand why people want Chris Paul. I do. Because the Celtics, one of their biggest issues has been late game organization. Can they take care of the ball? Can they not be sloppy? Can they get to what they want? And he has long been one of the best at getting a team to spots where they want to go. That said, I am pretty sure he is no longer as good as any of the Celtics guards who were in their rotation. He's perpetually hurt around playoff time. And... I just don't think he's a super effective player right now. The fact that Phoenix is considering letting him go at the moment should should show you that because they need players <laughs> around Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And if they think Chris Paul is not worthy of being the third guy over there, I'm just saying. He's I'm old. Just saying. He's old. He's just hasn't been very good in the playoffs. Um, I feel like the Celtics, I think I think that's a misnomer. He's been recently. Very good I don't think playoffs. he's been good in the playoffs with the Suns. They had the finals run, but um, I felt like that was a lot of Devin Booker. But the past two years in the playoffs, Chris Paul has not been uh, a great player, and the Celtics need help getting over the edge in the playoffs. I just don't know if historic non-winner Chris Paul is necessarily the guy to come in, especially when they have so much depth at guard at this point. That just doesn't feel like. I don't know. It just feels like a flashy, the flashiest name who who might be available, but I don't think it makes any sense uh, to bring him in for the Celtics. Yeah, and maybe I'm wrong because, like I said, he is one of the best ever at getting an offense to the spots and and setting a level of just like daily focus throughout an organization that maybe the Celtics need, but I just don't, and especially when your rotation is already going to have Robert Williams, who's an injury risk and already going to have Al Horford, who's just turned 37. I just don't know if you really want to go after someone who will be another injury risk, another 
question mark on top of all that. Plus, one of the problems for the Celtics this year, I thought, was that they didn't play enough bigger lineups. And they need to find a way to play bigger, to have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at the two and three. And adding another point guard, unless you subtract at least one of them, maybe two, just just doesn't make sense. So I, I don't know about the Chris Paul thing. I, I see why people want it, though, and I understand the the desire for that. But also, Marcus Smart and Derek White were very good in the playoffs. Like, those two guys both had some awesome games, both had big moments, and it's disappointing that the Celtics lost in the Eastern Conference Finals to a team that they absolutely could have beaten, but I'm not sure going after a 38-year-old six-foot dude who showed clear signs of regression last year is the way to go. I'd agree with that. And so speaking of like the kind of desire for them to play bigger, there feels like there's two options for the Celtics. One, very likely, and one, less likely, but still a possibility. And that's the first, trading Peyton Pritchard. Uh, just because he is a young player with some value who's shown that he can be a solid rotation player Um, or trading Malcolm Brogdon. I think he has, well, let's, let's start there. I'm actually, uh, we got a lot of questions about trading Pritchard, trading Brogdon. Someone asked if we would trade Malcolm Brogdon straight up for OG Ananobi. I said, yes, immediately. What, what a ridiculous question, but who do you think has, more trade value at this point for the rest of the league. Malcolm Brogdon making around, what, $20 million a year or Peyton Pritchard still on his rookie deal? Probably Brogdon. I mean, he was a six-man of the year. He just fetched. It wasn't a ton from the Celtics, but he got a recent lottery pick, a role-playing big man in Daniel Tice, and a first-round pick from Boston for that contract, which at the time was longer and a little bit more. Um, it had, had more another year on it. So I would say Brogdon absolutely has more trade value. Now, what you can turn him into, who knows? But if I, I do think they should consider trading Brogdon, not because he was bad last year, by not by any stretch, he was very good. He was a six man of the year. He fit his role really well. There were a lot of games when they weren't playing well, and he came in and rattled off like eight points in three minutes and kept them going. Or, but the Derek White's improvement to me changed a lot. Like, you don't need Malcolm Brogdon in the playoffs anymore if Derek White's going to be playing 40 minutes for you which he probably should be doing because he's really freaking good. And if and if you if you have Derek White playing a lot of minutes and Marcus Smart's going to play a lot of minutes. I just think it would make sense especially given that Al Horford and Robert Williams their days as playing together may be numbered. Like use Malcolm Brogdon, use whoever, use draft picks and try to get a legitimate power forward. Like, obviously, Aaron Gordon is not getting traded from the Denver <laughs> Nuggets. But imagine that 
first unit with somebody like Aaron Gordon. What do you think about John Collins? Just as a name who's like a power forward, who's always been on the trade block. I don't know if Brogdon necessarily makes sense for the guards heavy Atlanta Hawks, but maybe a three team deal. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like, there's not a lot of like pure fours out there anymore, but John Collins strikes me as a guy who's read like easily available and is at the same kind of level at Brogdon where that like, that feels like a reasonable trade where it's like, that's even a uh, kind of general talent. Yeah. I, I think John Collins would be a fine target. I don't think it would be the perfect target. Kristaps Porzingis, I know Weiss kind of poo-pooed on that in his mailbag on The Athletic, but to me, that would be somebody who could probably play alongside Robert Williams because of the shooting aspect, but also protects the rim some and is huge and can play center. So I, I like the Kristaps Porzingis idea. Um. Kyle Kuzma would be another like youngish four. I don't, I haven't always loved his game. I think sometimes his numbers have been better than, than his impact, like his traditional numbers, but that would be another young four to possibly target. If you want to go big and load up like the, the big old three draft pick thing, Maybe you can lure somebody like Markinen. I don't. I don't know if Utah would would be in business. I don't know how real that would be. But somebody like Lowry Markinen, if you could trade, yeah, I don't know, Brogdon, Pritchard, whoever else, and three first round picks. Like, that's not a bad idea. I like that idea. Utah might at least pick up your call. I mean. Danny Ainge is probably picking up Brad Stevens' call anyway, but I, would hope so. I don't know. And who who knows how how committed they are to building around Lowry or if they just want to cash in after he had by far the best season of his career. But somebody like Markinen, like a young four. Um, Wouldn't they Ananobi, just be absolutely screwing themselves, though, if like they bring in another star just in terms of the cap or like they just have to accept that they're over the second apron and couldn't do anything especially i guess it's not this year but once Jalen's extension kicks in they would be just like okay we have basically three players and then no one else on our roster can really exist yeah but i mean Jalen's extension assuming he does sign one this summer it won't kick in until next year tatum's extension assuming he eventually signs ones will kick in the following year so you have a little bit of runway to to try to make something happen with another star and then i mean it's not like there's going to be nobody sitting there at the end of the day looking to trade for jalen brown looking to trade for a guy like larry markinen who he didn't make all he was a snub right i thought he should have made all NBA. no Le, this lebron james fellow made it instead uh but larry uh makes 17 next year 18 the year after that it's only partially guaranteed so i guess it wouldn't even be that long term uh, of a commitment. I like that idea. Let's get the Lowry to Boston train going. I think. Uh, uh, yeah, and gr- granted, like that's probably a long shot because you like he was awesome for Utah because he was an All Star this year, and it's not easy to just pick up All Stars in the offseason. And and they have the beginning stages of like 
a turnaround going. But if Utah was willing to part with him, I think a, a package with like three first round picks, Brogdon and and whatever other filler ish type thing they would want. Try it. Try it. See what happens. Why not? I mean, I, I'll make the call to Danny. I don't know if he's picking up my calls, but I'll offer it. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Where do you see Grant Williams fitting into all this? Uh, we got a couple questions about this. It's like, do does he fill in? Does he eventually become just like the starting power forward? Do you think he's good enough to be a starting power forward in this league for what the Celtics are trying to do? I feel like we talk about this all the time. Uh, yeah, but you haven't given me a hard and fast answer. Is he a starter or is he not? I mean, he was barely a rotation player this year. So that's just because he's guess, a nerd and Joe Missoula hates nerds. But like, what if he gets over it? My guess is that Kurt Williams will never get over being a nerd. But also, I don't like, I don't think it would be the worst thing to start Grant Williams at four. But starting him at four gets rid of some of the offensive, like the dynamic that made the Celtics smaller lineup so tough to guard for most of the season because he's not as good at putting on the floor as a Derek White. He can't. Oh, now you want it both ways, Jay King. You say you, that their major no, flaw then, is that they need to play bigger, and then you say you're throwing a big guy in there. He says can't the, play the, small. The other part of that is he's 6'5", and so if you play him at four, you don't have the size that you'd have if you'd have somebody else out there. And, Obviously, he's been a, a helpful defender. Obviously, he's he's allowed the Celtics to to play Giannis and a number of other guys with a lot of physicality. But like, I just don't know if he's good enough to be a starter 
on a championship team. And and he could be. Like he could be. He's young. He and in the right situation. Like there have been worse starters for sure on championship teams. But in the at the end of the day, honestly, like a lot just comes back to whether Tatum reaches another level and becomes a real top five player and whether Brown can become a better decision maker who won't turn the ball over a lot against tough defense. And I guess if those guys can do that, then yeah, probably you can get away with Grant Williams at starting power forward, but I don't think that should be the Celtics dream going into the off season. That's probably fair. Uh, we got like six or seven questions all about Rob Williams and like, one, can you trust him to play 30 minutes a game? Was someone like talking about him on a podcast lately? Because we did get a ton of questions about Robert Williams and his ability to like his have offensive, an offensive game. Role. Yeah, they yeah. want him out at the elbow. They want him to dribble hands off. They want him in post. They want post touches. Um, we saw I, Robert Williams. I just don't is ever. He's not going to be shooting mid-range jump shots. I don't know what his offensive game is other than lobs and rolls to the rim. I do think you could like play through him more with like at the elbow. He's a very good passer. He's like has pretty good vision. And when he actually decides to hold on to the basketball and pass it instead of tip pass it, he makes a lot of good decisions. Um, but I just think there's an issue there with kind of durability. But like, I don't know what. Or, no, you're just not going to when you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you're just not going to play through like Robert Williams on the post. That's kind of insane. I do believe they should run more offense through him like Miami does with Bam, though. And and to do that, Rob would have to make good decisions. He would have to not throw crazy turnovers. And one of the reasons I'm sure why the Celtics didn't go to that a lot this year was because they knew heading into the year he was going to miss a lot of time. And he only played 35 games. It's hard to design major parts of your offense around a guy who number one isn't the most gifted offensive player when he's not just catching lobs and number two you don't know how much he's going to be on the court and you kind of have to shift your identity to smaller lineups to Derek White in the starting lineup I think his inability to stay on the court impacted a lot this season and so that that's the biggest thing. If if he can play, I don't know, sixty five games, then they probably would run more offense through him, and they probably would have that as more of an option. But but it's harder to do that when you don't know if you can rely on the guy, and just to be on the court. So, uh, he he definitely has gifts as a passer, though, and. If he's used in that role, it can probably get Jason Tatum. It can probably get Jalen Brown some easier buckets, and that could be a big deal at the end of the day. But it's like it's difficult. Like you can give him the ball at the elbow and try to like run plays plays through him. But like once he if once he has the ball, it's not like he's a threat to take two dribbles and get to the rim, or he's a threat to kind of just pull up there and make the shot like Bam is. I just think there's like. Yes, he is a good passer, but he's not like opening up the offense like when Al Horford gets the ball at the elbow. It's just a different uh, 
it's a different thing. He is quite good, but I don't think he, he is the solution to everything. I think him just playing more and being the defensive anchor for 65 games is a lot more important than like just playing through him more on offense. Like the offense, I just don't think was an issue. And I don't think it's going to be like, oh, in the in the clutch in the playoffs, let's run the, you know, post a dribble handoff with Rob play. I just don't think that solves like what's going on uh, with the Celtics in the playoffs. We've got a lot of questions about the foreign guys. Yam Madar won the best young player in the Euro League. And you is a guy who still exists. Can you please give an update on their status? When will Behoron and Madar make an impact on the Boston Celtics? Everyone is obsessed with Yam Madar. He won the best young player in the whole Euro League. I mean, I'm looking at his stats as we speak. He played 15.4 minutes per game. He averaged 6.6 points per game. Not bad. He averaged two assists per game. Best he young player. Off, he came off the bench most of the time. Isn't he like six one? Like he's not a tall man. And he's skinny. I mean, Peyton Pritchard was so far better than him <laughs> in summer league. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna answer questions about Yamadar. I I will not I will not sit here and entertain the people anymore. I know the unknown is exciting. I know optimism is one hell of a drug, but it might be time to give up the Yamadar dream. He is 22 years old. I'm hearing a lot like of Yamadar hate and not a lot of Beharon update, which is uh, you know, what I, I mean, tuned in for. Beharon is, to me, a more exciting prospect. Beharon is, I mean, he... he at the very least, has the physicality and athleticism of an NBA wing. He is the younger of those two guys. He's just 20 right now, and he averaged 11 points, 3.4 assists, which is pretty intriguing from a guy who 3.4 assists, that was in one of his two leagues, but that was over 28 (laughs) games. That was over 28 games, though. And that's pretty intriguing from a wing, um, a young wing. That's almost 60 assists. With great strength and athleticism. But he he needs to learn how to score more efficiently. That has been an issue for him. He can't shoot threes still. He, I mean, he's got to learn to do things more efficiently. He still turns the ball over a lot for a guy who has a usage rate that he does. He's exciting and everything like that, but there's still a lot for him to learn. All right. We're finishing off with three of what I think are the most ridiculous questions we got. Uh, From Mangoes in Trees, why didn't Blake play in the playoffs at all? And Mangoes, I think you're forgetting a a moment there in the uh, Hawk series where he did come in and it went so, so poorly that they... Did they end up losing that game? Was that game five? Was that, that was the game epic, five? I believe epic yeah. meltdown that he played at the but start. It wasn't on him. It wasn't on him. <laughs> but it wasn't but, good. <laughs> but he was he was involved. I did watch White Man Can't Jump though. Yeah, I heard you one. cried, and by heard I, liked, I mean I, I saw did. your tweet. I did. I cried. I've been crying at sports movies a lot lately. That's I, not even. I kind that's of cry like a, at sports movies a lot because you love sports so much. 
just the whole people uh, getting together know, doing just, things just, yeah it's just Playing my sports. my emotional my emotional trigger all right this one's from bmar57 is there a path to getting both bogdanoviches is there just want to load up on bogdanoviches <laughs> with the just caveat just putting aside putting aside the defensive ramifications for now is there a path to getting both I don't know if there's a path. It's oh, sure it's possible, but I didn't. I was not prepared for that question. I'm not. I'm not even prepared to answer it. Which Bogdanovich would you prefer? Uh, Bogdan. No, Boyan. Which one's the annoying one? Place for the Hawks. I can't even remember. That's Bogdan. Yeah, I think I'd like Bogdan more than Boyan. Boyan's old. He's over the hill. I want a young, stronger Bogdanovich. Boyan was awesome last year for the Pistons. Yeah. He was awesome. Well, the Pistons are an up-and-coming team, you know, with Monty Williams and all those guys. Um, but he's got a lot of size. A lot of size. Maybe he's your starting power forward. Who knows? Yeah, 6'7", 226. I'm thinking you just looked that up, but it would be really weird if you just knew how much Boyang Bogdanovich weighed off the top of your head. I just looked that one up. All right, the final question. I want to. I want you to think about this and answer sincerely. How many championships would the Tatum and Brown Celtics win if we were in a universe where everyone had hot dogs for fingers? God damn you! Who who <laughs> who wrote that? Who Skyler, wrote that? Sky N- Nosk. I think the exact I mean, amount. I don't think the having hot dogs for fingers. If the entire universe have it, I think everything plays out the exact same way in terms of basketball and so i don't think there's any way of knowing i don't think there's any change i would actually argue that if everyone had hot dogs for fingers it would play into the celtics hands because they're the ones who consistently throw turnovers at inopportune times not the other team and so it's going to be harder for the other team to slap it at slap the ball away if they got hot dogs for fingers. Then number two, no, because relatively everything would change. So they would just be the the leading hot dog for fingers uh, turnover team. But why? Why isn't everyone just throwing turnovers all the time with hot dog fingers? Everyone would be, but it's all about it's about relative. It's about the relative pro- turnover proneness, and if everyone's got hot dog for fingers, basically no one has hot dog for fingers. I saw when I was in Miami, I saw a man riding a bike with two raccoons what? on his handlebars. Two raccoons on his handlebars. And I, I was like, the universe is trolling me. Everything everywhere all at once is just coming coming to life. The the raccoon who just controlled the person. That shit was so weird. Hot dog fingers are so weird. But yeah, that's the world we live in. Um, but there it is. There's the Boston Celtics mailbag. Oh, that that was that was a good question because it was <laughs> it was it was a funny way to to get mad at me. By the way, everybody, I had people legitimately mad at me that I said Pete Davidson looked like he stunk at basketball on Twitter. What people like were, from the clip or for like from the clip. He yeah, he didn't awful. look. He didn't look. He he got some results, but he didn't look fluid at all. He looked goofy as hell. He was wearing running shoes. He, the they 
faked like he could dunk. Like they just edited it to look like he could <laughs> dunk, and then they they stopped. He also did some three sixty pass where they cut off the end of that too, because he probably threw it to nobody because it was dumb as hell to even he try a, that. He nonsense. had a decent outlet pass. Give him credit for a good outlet pass. I'll give him credit for a good outlet pass. I'm just saying, I don't understand why people were so mad at me for for saying that a famous basketball player with a, a clip on the internet. He's not a famous basketball it, player. Someone said he's a famous actor. I don't even think he acts. He just plays himself in a bunch of movies. Not a famous, a famous, famous comedian, actor, comedian. I would say that his movie stunk too. King of Staten Island was so bad. It was like his autobiography. You just hate uh, yeah. Pete Davidson. I, how was no, Jack I like Harlow? Him. I like him. How was Jack Harlow in White Men Can't? He show? was actually really good. He was really good. I oh, thought yeah. he's People he did a good job. Like that take. People don't like Jack Harlow. But people like I, Pete Davidson. I think his, I think his music's good. I think his acting is good. I think Blake Griffin chose the right guy. Well, there you go. There we go. We got to wrap it up. I got to go uh, do the other podcast. But that was it. Anything is potable, folks. Anything is potable. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll probably do another mailbag because we don't know what else to talk about. And get ready for Jay King's brilliant second round draft for scouting. The guy's what five for five in all of his second round picks. Three for five. Good enough for us. Good enough for us. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.